Well, this morning I'd like to make a single verse, our Christmas meditation, <clears throat> excuse me, from the uh, book of Acts, chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. And verse 35, I have spoken, I have shown you rather in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would use this time in your word to deepen our understanding and our appreciation of your gift to us, of your Son. We pray for this work of your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. In this passage, the Apostle Paul is addressing the Ephesian elders and talking with them about uh, a wide variety of subjects associated with the leadership uh, of the church in Ephesus. And he did so with the urgency of heart that he anticipated that he would never ever uh, see them again, never again have this opportunity uh, to speak to them face to face in this way. And he closed his instruction by reminding leaders in a church that they exist in their calling to give to and to be a blessing to the congregation. Uh, rather than the congregation existing to be a blessing to them and to serve them. The, the body of Christ and the church is not to be taken advantage of in any way by the leaders, and Paul let them know that. He put his exclamation point on all of this by quoting Jesus' teaching, it is more blessed to give than to receive. This particular saying of Jesus is not found anywhere uh, in the Gospels, but that doesn't surprise us at all, uh, given the fact that uh, room has been made for it in the declaration of the Apostle John as he closed his Gospel, and he declared there, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world could not contain the books that would be written, amen. And so the fact that this was a well-known statement uh, of Jesus uh, in the early church uh, is attested to here by Paul calling upon the Ephesian elders to remember it. We notice that Jesus does not say that it is not blessed to receive simply that it is more blessed to give than to receive. No one would dispute the fact that it is blessed to receive. From earliest childhood in our lives, all the way into adult life, we remember the emotions that we have experienced when someone has given us something that we could have never afforded uh, on our own, 
whether in the form of a gift that constituted a non-necessity in life or whether it was a gift that met some urgent need in our life, complete with all of the emotion, all of the gratitude, all of the deep sense of relief at the weight that has been taken off of us as a result of receiving the gift. It might be an article of clothing or a coat or a pair of shoes or remembering that first bicycle that we ever received, a basketball, a baseball mitt, some other sports equipment, a doll, a BB gun, uh, an archery set. I remember when my oldest sister, Michelle, and she was uh, an adult when the four of us were still remained at home living in, she lived in Miami, Florida, and she would send a Christmas gift to uh, us four children uh, every year, and my twin brother and I would always receive uh, identical uh, gift, a very stylish, that's what we called it in those days, very smart. That was a word my mother was fond of. A very smart and stylish pair of pants and shirt. And in those days, we would have called them uh, mod. And it was the only gift that we uh, would get at Christmas time. Money was tight for our family, and it was tight for many, many families, not only then, but uh, even today. And it meant so much. I remember how much it re meant to receive those gifts. I remember when I was in high school playing basketball uh, after school and, and uh, on the team, and I couldn't work a, a job at that time. And, and uh, my brother had a job, and I remember the time he gave me $8 to buy a new pair of Levi 501 jeans that I uh, desperately uh, needed at the time. And it was such a blessing. Obviously, I've never forgotten it. And, uh, and, uh, and then... Uh, through our lives, all of the gifts that people have given us that have blessed us, they've humbled us by the thoughtfulness of the gift and by the sacrifice represented in the gift as well. And I mention these from my own life, not merely to talk about myself, though I'm happy to do that, um, <laughs> but to just simply prime the pump of remembering these events that are common to uh, all of our uh, lives and the blessing that receiving has been uh, to each of us. And if our self-consumed and materialistic society were writing this verse, it would end exactly there. It is blessed to receive and declaring that all of the uh, blessing in giving and in receiving in life, it lies completely uh, loaded on the receiving side of the equation. But Jesus not only doesn't stop there, but he flips the entire thing on its head. And he declares that, yes, receiving is a blessing, but the greater blessing is found in giving. And that is the blessing that is kind of the road less traveled within our materialistic, self-consumed uh, culture. And uh, if there was a road less traveled, it would be uh, this particular road of this verse. That idea of a road less traveled was made famous by an American poet by the name of Robert Frost. And he uh, wrote in his poem, uh, A Road Not Taken, Two roads diverged in a wood and I. I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. 
And that is never truer than the issue of Christmas and the issue of giving. Well, now to this second thing that Jesus said, it's more blessed to give. Someone noticed that Jesus does not uh, bequeath this blessing uh, upon gambling or investing in the stock market or amassing wealth beyond our needs or to fame or to power or to self-consumption. Those things are a blessing on some level or they wouldn't be practiced as widely as they're practiced uh, today. But a person can spend all of their life there and completely miss the more blessed life uh, of giving. Well, I think that since this could be kind of a foreign uh, concept in our uh, culture, we probably need to spend a moment or two considering exactly how it is the greater blessing. First, it is a greater blessing in that it is to explore and experience the life that Jesus lived. Imagine if Jesus had said the exact opposite as a means for experiencing true blessing in the world. It is more blessed to receive than it is to give. Now, we know he couldn't say that because it's not the truth. And how do we know that it's not the truth? Because it's nothing like him. And it's nothing like the life that he uh, lived, the life that he modeled for us to, uh, to uh, live. The entirety of his 33 and a half years uh, that he spent on, in this world, he spent it completely encamped in the blessing uh, of giving from his incarnation, from his being born into the world in order to uh, uh, coming here from the glory of heaven to his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven. He had come from uh, all of it was modeling the blessing of giving. Mark wrote of him, for even the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We are probably never more like Jesus in life than when we give to others out of a motivation of love. And the more sacrificially uh, we give, the more sac sacrificially we immerse in this beatitude uh, of uh, Jesus, the greater the participation in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ in this regard. The greater our gnosko, our knowledge of him by experience, and a knowledge that only comes with experiencing uh, giving. Paul wrote of this in Philippians chapter 3, and he said, Yes, indeed, I count all things for the loss, uh, loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord. Not only knowing him in my noggin and in my head, but gnosko, knowing him by experience and living a life that is like his and the one that he's called us to. There is a communion in giving, a fellowship with Jesus that only one who gives will ever, ever experience. And this is expressed in experience, not only giving uh, some material thing to another person, but also giving our time and investing it in someone else, providing a listening ear to another person, a word of encouragement or prayer for someone, staying committed to relationships that can be 
emotionally and spiritually one-sided, quietly looking out for someone else's welfare, and they never know that we are doing so. Any act of compassion falls into this category. The second blessing that is found in this beatitude is to just stop and think what uh, would result if the opposite were true. If there was no blessing in giving, only in receiving. Think about what kind of, excuse me, world that would produce. You wouldn't want to live in it. Think about what kind of individual human beings that would produce. Well, we really shudder to think about uh, 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 that this flipped upon its head and, and upon, different than what Jesus said and what it would do to the world and to humanity. Third, there is the blessing of a profound freedom, experience of freedom in giving. Every time I give, I give away a little bit of my selfishness. And I can't speak for you, but I'm fairly loaded with selfishness. And I've got a lot to give away, and that's a blessing uh, as well. Fourth, there is also the blessing of participating in and witnessing the joy and the relief even that occurs in a person's life when some razor-thin margin in their life material or, or financially or even emotionally in their, in their life uh, it, it, concerning their needs, those margins are enlarged. And to be a part of that, to witness that is priceless. And that is something that no stock market investment or the massing of wealth beyond our needs or any purchase for our own self-consumption uh, can ever provide to our life. Fifth, in terms of blessings, it means that we've begun to explore uh, the rich, not only themes, but realities of humility and of empathy and, and, uh, and the ability to understand and to put myself in another person's shoes and uh, share the feelings of others. The humility that comes with the recognition that all that I have in life and has given to, been given to me by God and not to make me proud and certainly not to make me selfish, but in order to bless others and to help lift them up. And then the ability to put ourselves in another person's shoes and then to do unto them as I would have them to do to me if the roles uh, were reversed and to experience the joy and the deep satisfaction that comes with that. Now, anything that is spiritually and morally true is, must also be true of God. And thus the giving of his son, both in uh, Jesus' incarnation, his birth into the world, into human history, and also in his death upon the cross to provide us with the forgiveness of sins. Uh, that is, as blessed as we are in his giving of his son at Calvary for our salvation. And those blessings are immeasurable. We could never put them into words in a thousand lifetimes that somehow, and there's great mystery here, as there is with anything associated with God in our attempt to understand him, 
It is also blessed and delighted the Father in an even greater measure to provide us with our Savior. And in saying this, I am not advocating some kind of man-centered view uh, of God that is behind us a, a statement like, if you want to know what you're worth, then look at the cross. As if God got value for value at, at Calvary. As if any of us were worth either his incarnation or his death upon the cross. But to realize that God did this out of the depth of his character, out of the depth of his grace and his righteousness and his holiness because it brought him pleasure to do so. It pleases God to save people. And the Holy Spirit declared it through the Apostle Paul as he wrote to the church in Ephesus. Having predestined us, he wrote, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, speaking of God the Father, according to the good pleasure of his will. Jesus rejoiced in this truth. Luke chapter 10, verse 21. And in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. And even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Jesus taught in this regard. Luke chapter 12, verse 32, speaking to us as his disciples, do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, his good pleasure to provide us with salvation. He takes pleasure in our salvation. The unique pleasure, not of the receiver, the unique pleasure of the giver and the unique pleasure of being the only one who could have provided us with such a gift. And additionally, Calvary allowed him, and I say it reverently, to express the greatness of his love in a way that is utterly unique. It will never be equaled, much less be exceeded. And Jesus' incarnation and his crucifixion is not a demonstration of our worth, but it is a demonstration of the greatness of God's love and the greatness of God's love for each and every one of us individually. John wrote in his first epistle, here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He wrote further in that uh, epistle, in this the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Romans chapter 5, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man one will die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus famously speaking, for God so loved the world, that's all of us, 
that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, even though we didn't receive many presents in our household uh, as children growing up, concerning the ones we did receive, my mother was an absolute stickler about always writing a thank you note. And this morning, let's partake of communion, the symbols of Jesus' body and His blood given for the forgiveness of our sins, and say thank you to God the Father for His indescribable gift this morning, and to thank Him for our Savior, to thank Him for our salvation, and the wonder of His love behind all of it, His awesome love, His humbling love in this giving of His Son. If you're with us this morning and you are not yet a Christian, you have never received Jesus into your life and trusted in Him for the forgiveness of your sins, no gift, even a gift from God to mankind as a whole and to you individually does us any good unless we take the gift and we open the gift, receive it, and make it our own. The bad news concerning all of our lives is we were born into this world sinners and we've proven it every day of our lives. And so we are in need of a Savior. Our sin has separated us from a relationship with God. But God loved us so much that He sent His Son, the only one who was qualified, to provide us with the forgiveness of sins into the world, to be born and then to be crucified, raised again from the dead in order that we might receive the gift of everlasting life, the forgiveness of sins, and a personal relationship with God. And all of that is there for the receiving by just saying to God, I admit my sin to you. I confess it. I ask for your forgiveness. I put my trust in the Savior you sent for the forgiveness of those sins. I commit my life now to follow you. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit will come into your life right where you're seated, and you will be born again by the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, if the worship team would come forward and the men will come forward to um, pass out and, and distribute uh, the symbols of Jesus' body and blood, as you receive the cup, there will be a top layer to it where there will be a cracker. We'll partake of that first as you put that, bring that kind of cellophane back, and then we'll partake together and pray together, and then we'll do the same with the cup. And so now as a meditation as we partake of the bread, let's celebrate the wonder of His love.